You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Well, good morning, Radiant Church. So good to see you all in this Sunday morning. If you are new with us, welcome. My name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor of Radiant Church. And again, thank you for making Radiant a part of your weekend. Before we get into the message today, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you who contributed to our outreach with the United Way. We uh, collected enough items. We had four items that we were collecting we collected enough items for 183 uh, baskets, or parts of those baskets anyways. So that's really good news. You can clap your hands for that this morning, right? That's amazing. And then tomorrow evening, tomorrow night, we've already got 17 or 18 volunteers already signed up. Good to go. That is closed, by the way. And 17 volunteers will gather and uh, take the rest of the items and then put together more baskets. And those baskets will be given to families uh, in need, families who maybe have had a hard year in Bay County. And so let me just say once again, thank you so much, Radiant Church, for shining bright, for being the light of Christ in our city this year. Second thing I want to say, yeah, it's good news. Second thing I want to say is, men, it's coming up next Saturday. Just a quick reminder. I'd love for you to be here. I think we've got 21 guys. We need about 20 more guys, though. So 21 guys right now. Let's sign up. We'll have a great time of fellowship next Saturday morning from 8.30 to 10.30. You don't have to already be a part of the men's group to attend. This is absolutely free as well, by the way. So we'll have a great time of fellowship have a great meal together, and then we'll get into some relevant teaching. So if you'd like to sign up, go ahead and visit RadiantBC.com. That's going to close out in just a couple of days, by the way, so that we can get account for our breakfast. And then finally, really quick, I just want to remind you guys that this, this week, this Wednesday night, is our monthly night of worship and prayer, our Seek monthly night of worship and prayer. Listen, we've had such a great response from this. I would like to encourage you to be here, to engage with us in prayer, to carve out that time uh, to make with God. And this month we are praying for students. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there is a real battle right now in our world going on for young people. Amen, right? There's a real battle between darkness and light. And we would love for you to come on out to pray with us as we wage war, not the way that the, the world wages war, but the way that Scripture calls us to wage war, and that is through prayer. So we're going to be praying for one hour from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. We'll have a time of worship, response. It's going to be a great night, so join us there. Well, finally, today we are in part number two of our series entitled Born, the King Has Come. And we're looking at this narrative, or at sort of the popular narratives in Scripture, the birth narratives of Jesus being born. And this is the time of the year where we, we celebrate Advent. And I told you last week that that word Advent actually means coming or arrival. So during Advent, what we do is we, we look back and we reflect. We, we reflect on Jesus' first coming as a baby into our world and the difference that makes for every single person who would come to follow Jesus. But we're also looking forward to, or it's a, it's a time of anticipation where we look forward to what? 
to the second coming of Jesus, that, that, that day where the heavens will crack open, right? And we'll, we'll see our Savior riding on the clouds, and we'll welcome him here as Jesus makes all things new. And so Advent is both a time of reflection and anticipation. And last week we, we, looked, or we looked at Luke chapter 1, and we were introduced to Mary's story. And here's the thing about Mary. If you remember, Mary had no social status, right? She, she's essentially overlooked. She's kind of a no one. She comes from Nazareth, which is this place where the Jews looked down upon. I mean, she was poor. Both her and Joseph were both poor. They had nothing particular or special about them. And we learned that we came out of that learning that God uses unlikely people to change the world. God uses unlikely people to change the world. And this is, this is so important for us to grasp because this is the idea that we see throughout all of Scripture, right? Every single person who God uses, if you read your Bibles, they are uh, full of baggage and problems and issues and hang-ups and insecurities. I mean, you name it. This is the, the track record of what we see, who we see God using in this world. And if God wants to use this unlikely woman and Mary, listen, God wants to use you as well, right? Because you were created with, with purpose. You were created with a mission in mind. And so listen, today um, we're going to go back to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to go further into this story, and we're going to sort of pick up where we left off last week, right? Last week we, we ended by looking at Mary's response, and so this, this week or today, we're going to kind of go further into Mary's response, which, which, by the way, was steeped in faith. And I, I want us to just take some time today to really just see and examine sort of the posture of Mary's life as this really unexpected event or this interruption, you could say, uh, makes its way into her life. And if you have a Bible... I would love for you to join me in Luke chapter 1 or a smartphone. I'll have the verses behind me as well for you to follow along. But we'll pick things up in verse number 34. Here's what Luke records for us. It says this, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? So remember, Gabriel has come to Mary. He's already explained that she's going to bear a son. He will be the son of God. His name will be Jesus. And of course, Mary is like, okay, how's, how's that going to work? I'm a virgin. I, I'm not sure, angel, if you, if you understood or knew that there's a thing that happens that takes place between a man and a woman, and that, that creates a child. And well, I haven't, I haven't partaked in that yet, right? So she's trying to figure out, right, how is this all going to work out? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. We know that to be John the Baptist, right? Has also conceived a son, and behold, or and his, and and. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, 
I am the servant of the Lord. Remember, this is her response. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's end right there. And we're going to take a few moments and we're going we're gonna to pray before we get into this message. And actually, this morning, um, let's just take a few moments. I'd like to pray for, um, of course, I think most of you have seen the victims of the tornadoes, uh, Kentucky and Illinois and um, Tennessee and I think three other states, I think over 30 tornadoes and the damage that we've seen has just been, I mean, unreal. And so um, let's just take a few moments. Let's pray for all of those people right now, for God's comfort, for his relief. Lord, we just thank you for today and this morning for this opportunity to gather. And right now, God, our, our hearts are shifted towards our brothers and sisters, God, in Kentucky especially, God, where we have seen the, the damage of these tornadoes, and it is simply unreal. God, we, we can't even fathom uh, what that must feel like and look like right now for those people, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, would you just offer right now your relief and your comfort? Holy Spirit, we ask that you might come in that place and give those people peace. God, a, a peace that surpasses all understanding. God, would you bring your provision to bear on every single home that was destroyed, every single business that went down? Would you bring your provision, Lord? And God, we know that these storms, God, we, we know that the world is not, does not operate in the way, God, that it, it should operate. We know that everything has been broken because of the fall, because of sin, God. And we know, God, our hearts long, our hearts cry out, even right now, God, for Maranatha, for our Lord to come and make all things new. So, God, would you do that right now, especially in these six states that were affected by the tornadoes? Now, Lord, today, would you open our hearts and open our minds, God, to see the beauty of who Jesus is, unlock deaf ears and open blind eyes, soften the hardest of hearts. This morning, we pray, God, and let us respond like Mary did to your call. Let us say yes and amen to all the things that you desire to do in us and through us. God, we love you. We put you first this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think Mary is like many of us today, most of us in our lifetime. We're just trying to figure out what's next. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out what God's plan is for us. And maybe you're a student here this morning. You're either a high school student or maybe you're a, you're a college student. If you're a high school student, you're, you're, you're wrapping your mind around classes, around relationships, right, specific relationships. If you're a college student, you're thinking about a career. You're thinking about what's next. You're thinking about maybe, maybe a job. You're thinking about a major. Do I major in this or in that? Or, or what kind of career do I want to pursue? Or am I going to move or, or, or not move once I graduate? You're asking God, what's next? God, what's your plan for my life? Maybe you're here and you're single and you're asking the question, God, is, is marriage in my future? Like, I, I'd like to be married, but is, is that in my future? And God, what's your plan? What does it look like for my life? Maybe you're single, but you're, you're, you're a parent, you're a single parent, and you're at a place in your life where you just not, did not expect to be at your age. And, and 
you've experienced more heartache, more trouble than you ever could predict, and you're wondering, God, what's, what's your plan for my life? Maybe you're here in your, your empty nesters, your kids are, are growing up, and they're leaving the house, and you're trying to get reacquainted with one another and what life will look like with no one in the house, and it's strangely um, foreign and a bit lonely at times, and, and you're asking again, God, God, what's your plan? What are you, what are you doing right now in my life? And I, I remember when my wife and I, we were in Grand Rapids, we had moved there, we were in Bay City before that time. We were in Grand Rapids. I was pursuing a, a master's degree. And I remember after three months being in Grand Rapids, we were living with her brother because we couldn't afford anywhere else. And I simply remember a time where we were just like, what is God doing? Like, this seems backwards. We felt like we were taking steps backwards. And yet we also felt like God was calling us to this new season to sacrifice, to study, and, and we just needed to trust God. I think many of us can relate to Mary in this situation. And I think most of us, if you're a Jesus follower today here, I think there's nothing more that you want more than just simply being in God's will and obeying his will, his plan for your life. And with that in mind, I think we can all relate to Mary, just simply taking sort of one day at a time, one step at a time and dealing with obstacles, sometimes discouragement and, and things that come in our way, disappointment, confusion, and change, it's never easy, of course, but Mary's response, again, is steeped in faith. And Mary's response, I think her life, her life example really juxtaposes with what the world teaches in how we should operate our lives. Because Mary's response is really steeped in faith. Mary's example is the complete opposite of what our culture values right now. Right? Our, our culture values autonomy, freedom, independence. I mean, independence from anything or anyone that would tell us how to live our lives, what, what, how to conduct ourselves, especially from uh, a God who would try to say or, or dictate the direction of our lives. But this is the exact opposite of what we see in Mary of what we see with her response to the angel Gabriel. And this brings me to um, our second sort of big lie because we're uncovering some of these lies of our culture, of our world as we go through this series. And lie number two for this morning is this, that I'll never be happy unless I'm in charge of my own life, right? And so that's a lie of the world. I'll never be happy unless I'm in charge of my own life. You see, the world's narrative teaches that we must be in charge of our own life. We have to be king. We have to be on the throne. We, we decide what we do and we don't do. No one else decides that. We must be the captain of our own ship, right, the commander of our own destiny. The world says that we must get what we want, however, whenever we want. We must fulfill all of our desires. In fact, listen, to not live this way is actually, many would say, is denying your own happiness, right? To not live this way is denying your own happiness. Many people would say, hey, if you're not living this way, you're not, you're not being true to you, and you need to be true 
to you, to yourself. You need to seek yourself first. The world tells us that we'll never be satisfied unless we're in charge, right? Unless we're calling all the shots. But the truth of Scripture here is exactly the opposite. God's word, God's truth is this this morning. Here's the truth, church. Sit. My life belongs to God, and I was created to worship him. Right? That's the truth of Scripture, which juxtaposes what the world would say. No, no, no. My life belongs to me. I get to do what I want, when I want. I don't really care what you think about me. Right? I'm in charge. Yeah, I go to church, but that doesn't mean anything for me because I'm in charge. Truth says this. My life belongs to God. This is the way that Mary thought. I was created to worship him. You see, your life actually was, does belong to God. And you were created with a purpose. You were created with a mission. You were created with a God-shaped hole in your life that, listen, if you fill it with ever, anything else, you simply won't be satisfied. You won't be fulfilled. You won't have purpose, true purpose. You won't have real peace. We were all created for a purpose and a mission. Last week I talked about how God uses unlikely people to change the world. But today we see this. We see that Mary's life was completely surrendered to God. Her life was completely surrendered to God. Mary didn't believe that she had to be in charge to be happy. There's no way she would have responded this way. Mary didn't believe that her life was all about herself. Okay. Mary didn't believe that or believe the lie that she would never be fulfilled unless she got her way every single time. No. Mary believed that her life belonged to God and she was created to worship him. And I, I, I want to just take some time to, to flesh this out this morning because this idea that our life belongs to God, we were created to worship him, I think in some sense it's a subtle truth. We don't, we don't always like express it vocally. It's a subtle truth, but it has massive ramifications for how we live our lives. Because listen, here's the, here's the idea. We can have the best intentions in following Jesus until Jesus does something that we didn't plan. We can have the best intention in following Jesus until Jesus or God calls us to do something out of our comfort zone. We can have the best intentions, listen, of honoring God until God says to us, listen, I'm actually going to do things a bit differently than you thought they were going to play out, and I just need you to trust me right now. We can have all the best intentions until it looks like God's plan might be something we didn't expect. It's going to go differently. It's going to be, it's going to be uh, different from what we thought and what we had imagined. right? And this is the big idea in the New Testament of giving your life away. Giving your life away. This is what Jesus talks about. I want to point you back to this. By the way, this is like radical discipleship, so... It's going to be a bit shocking just in case. This is what Jesus says. Notice Matthew 10, 37 through 39. Jesus says this, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus said this. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy 
of me. That, that keeps getting repeated, worthy. Whoever finds his life will, will what? Will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I want to just clear this up just in case. Jesus is not saying that we, we, we shouldn't love our earthly mother and father. He's, he's not saying that. We know that because of, because of the law, because of the Ten Commandments, the honor, right? Honor your father or your mother and your father. And then, and then Paul in Ephesians 6, he picks that back up and he echoes the law. He's reestablishing, reaffirming that. Yes, honor your father and your mother. So listen, God is not saying that we shouldn't love our earthly parents. Of course, we're called to honor and to love our earthly parents. What Jesus is actually saying there for all of us this morning, he's saying this. He's saying that I must be first. And I must have your total allegiance above mother and father. Above even son or daughter, which is like, what? Wait a second. Like, I'm a parent, and I love my kids. I mean, I, I mean, they drive me crazy sometimes. Don't get me wrong, but, like, I love my kids, right? And Jesus is like, that's great. Love, like, to love your kids. Love your spouse. Like, love your parents. Honor them. But Jesus is saying, listen, just make sure that your love for family never compromises your love for God. Right, that loyalty to God is above everything else. Following Jesus must take precedence over the natural love of family. Loyalty to Jesus is everything. It's everything. That's what Jesus. This is right. Like this is a radical call to discipleship. It's a radical call to discipleship. It's completely counter culture. Well, what does it mean though when Jesus says, right? What does it mean to lose our lives according? To Jesus. Well, well, in the first century, especially in that context, it, it meant literally martyrdom. Because, and we know this because why? Because we know the fate of the apostles that all of them were, were martyred, were killed for their faith, except the apostle John, right? He was exiled to the island of Patmos. You just read Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. If you're not familiar with that, John was exiled. So listen, in one sense, to, to lose your life is to actually like physically lose your life. That's a very real sense, and the apostles experienced that. But in another very real sense, right, to lose your life, Jesus means this. It happens when we decide to forsake living only for our own pleasure, comfort, and prosperity. That's what it means to, to, to lose your life. I'm going to explain this a, a, a bit more. Let me go into this just a bit more because I believe that right now, uh, in our world, that we've made an idol out of self, right? We've made an idol out of self. You have to affirm everything I believe, who I am, who I say I am. If not, you hate me, and I hate you, right? That's, that, that's what we see on the news. That's what the world says. We've, we've made an idol out of self. And um, I read this actually like a couple years ago. Um, it's, a, it's a book. It's an excellent book called Good Faith. It's David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons, some, some really smart guys. And they conducted a nationwide survey of Americans. And I, wanna, I want you to notice what they discovered. It really shouldn't be a surprise at all to you. Here's what they discovered in their book, Good Faith. 84% of Americans believe this. Enjoying yourself is the highest goal in life. 
Some of you are like, shoot, I believe that. <laughs> Enjoying yourself is the highest goal in life. Okay, all right. 86% believe this, that to enjoy yourself, you must pursue the things you desire most. To enjoy yourself, you must pursue the things you desire most. And 91%, listen, affirm this statement. To find yourself, look within yourself. That's terrible advice, by the way, right? Don't look within yourself because you didn't make yourself. To find yourself, look within yourself, right? What do every single one of these statements have in common? Self, that's right. Self is at the center. Self is on the throne. It's all about me, myself, and I. It's self is king. I want you to just take a few moments, and don't worry, you don't have to answer this out loud. <laughs> but do these statements sound familiar? Have you been duped into believing one of these statements about your life? Again, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. That might be a little awkward for us this morning. Anthropologist and sociologist Paul Hybert, he says he sees a new dominant religion in the West. Here's what he says. Where the self has become God and self-fulfillment are salvation. I'm going to read that one more time. He says this self has become God and self-fulfillment our salvation. That is the new religion. Three statements. So I'll read them over to you one more time. These three statements. Enjoying yourself is the highest goal in life. Right? You got to fight for your right. Anybody? To buy. Okay, sorry. Beastie Boys, anybody? No? All right. So I'm dating myself. If you don't know who that is, use the Google. Enjoying yourself is the highest goal in life. Statement number one. Number two, to enjoy yourself means to pursue the things that you desire most. And then number three, to find yourself, look within yourself. Those three statements, listen, encapsulate, summarize what it means. I think summarize what Jesus means for, for those who find their life right now. That's what it means. To find your life right now simply means to live for yourself only. Your own, your own, your own comfort Right, your own desires, your own prosperity, all of those things. To do your own will only. And Jesus is trying to say something. Listen, you, you can live like that right now. You can live for yourself, but ultimately you're going to lose your life in eternity. You're losing it, actually. It's backwards, right? It's, it's counterintuitive. It's counterculture. This is sobering to you. If it's sobering to you, if it's shocking, listen, <laughs> good, right? Good, because it's meant to be that way for all of us, including myself. It's meant to stop us in our tracks. Church, I want you to listen. I want you to catch this. It's meant for us to ask ourselves this question. Am I saying that I'm following Jesus but really only living for myself? That's the, that's, that's the question that we're, we're forced to ask, right? As we look at these verses, as we look at the life of Mary, do I say I follow Jesus? But I'm just, I'm just really living for myself. I, I don't consider God when it comes to the school I should go to or 
friends I should hang out with or the money that I'm going to make over here or the job opportunity this way. I mean, I, I did, that's, that's great, but I'm, 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 I'm just considering really how happy it'll make me. That's, that's my number one thing. Listen, if you're living that way, you're, you're, you're not really living for Christ. According to what Scripture tells us, I want you to listen to what commentator and pastor Warren Wearsby says about what it means to carry our cross. He says this, to carry the cross does not mean to wear a pin on our lapel or put a sticker on our automobile. Wouldn't that be easy, right? Just, just plop that fish right on your bumper sticker, right? Poof, me and Jesus, we're tight. Everybody, I want everybody to know. Sorry. <laughs> it means to confess Christ and obey him in spite of shame and suffering. It means to die to self daily. If the Lord went to a cross for us, the least we can do is carry a cross for him. Wow. You know, I used to think, I used to think, I don't know about you, but I used to think that giving up my life for Jesus would mean absolute misery. That if I obeyed God, it, it was just like, it's going to be a terrible life. That's the lie, lie of the world, though. Because, listen, to give up my life for him actually means what? To find life, to find purpose, to find true freedom, to find peace. That's what it means. To taste and see what the Lord, that the Lord is good. Any sushi lovers in this place? Anybody like sushi? A few of you? Yeah, a few of you. I get some reactions from that, but no amens. All right. It's like, it's, like, it's like only tasting something and not realizing that you really like something else, right? It's like saying, hey, you know what? I, 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 I don't like sushi. I, it's gross. It grosses me out. And your friend comes up to you and says, hey, hey, no, 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 no. You, you got to give it a shot, man. You got to try this. It's okay to start with the California roll. And then you work yourself up, and you, you try that, and you're like, that's pretty good. And then you, go, you move on to, like, the crunch roll or whatever it's called, and then the firecracker that's really hot with the jalapeno and whatever. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to get into, the, like, the raw fish with the eel and all that, that weird stuff, right? And, and then before you know it, you're like, oh, my gosh, I love sushi. Well, I, was missing all, I was missing out all these years, right? That's what it's like. That's what it's like if you've, if you've, if you've only been living for yourself. Listen, for your own prosperity, for your own comfort, like you, you only know what life looks like doing those things until you what? Until you taste and see that the Lord is good. You try another way of life, and it comes to a point, listen, that you get to a point where all you, you're looking for ways to surrender more to God, right? It used to be, it used to be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go to church, I don't want to join a small group. I don't want to serve. I'm, I'm trying to avoid those things. And now you're on the other side saying, man, I'm trying to look for ways I can surrender more to Jesus. Why? Because I've tasted, I've seen, I've experienced the goodness of God. I know what it's like to follow him, to obey him. I know what it's like to give up my life for his. I know what it's like now to find true freedom, joy, peace, and purpose. And that's what maybe some of you need to do this morning. Right? The world would lie to us. The world says you'll only be happy if you live for yourself. You'll only be happy if you're in charge. But God's truth sheds a light on the lie. It's the very opposite. Listen, I'm going to say this to you right now. Even if you're not 
a follower of Jesus, I'll say this to you right now, that your life belongs to God. Right? My life belongs to God. I was created to worship him. Your life belongs to God, and you were created to worship him. Am I saying that I'm only following Jesus, but I'm actually living for myself? The reality is your life belongs to God. Notice what the Apostle Paul says here, Romans chapter 12. Paul says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? Your spiritual worship. And then he says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so Paul says, listen, don't, 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 don't follow the patterns of, of the world. I know everybody else is living for themselves. I know everybody else is only seeking their own good, their own will in life. Paul says, no, 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 no. Let, let, let your mind be transformed, be conformed. And so this morning, listen, as we close here in just a few moments, I actually want us to close and just give you a chance to respond, right? Just, just give you a chance to respond. In fact, I just want to give you an opportunity just, just to, like, re-up your commitment. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, when you work for certain companies, they, like, make you sign a contract, and then maybe it's good for a year or whatever, and then you, you come back in, and they're like, hey, do you still want to work here? Is the wage good? The benefits are all good? And maybe you negotiate that, and then you're like, you know, I'm going to re-up. I'm going I'm to work here for another year. I think life is good. I'm good with this, right? And you're going to re-up. And I, I simply want to give you a chance right now to sort of re-up your commitment to the Lord because it's, it's easy for us to slip into only living for ourselves and saying that we're following Jesus, though. So I just want to give you a few moments. Cameron is going to lead us in a song, and this is an old song. And as he's singing, as we're worshiping just for a few minutes... I want you to do whatever the Spirit sort of leads you. Some of you might stay in your seat. It's a posture of prayer. Some of you might come up. You might kneel. Some of you might stand up, lift your hands in the air. Uh, some of you might just bow down and just pray. Some of you might be moved to tears. Uh, just be led by the Lord for a few moments. And I want you simply to respond. And what I want you to do is just simply give God your yes. Just give Him your yes. Think about Mary's life what she did. Think about this intrusion almost into Mary's life. She could have said, no, 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 I don't, I don't want that baby. And she said, no, no, yes. Let it be according to your word. It's your plan, not my plan, God. Let's worship for a few moments, and I want you to respond.